Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I don't uh, uh, help people uh, launch into their trajectory. Sure. I show them what it likely is. And there, it's up to them to make take the effort or make the effort to you know do whatever they got to do to get there. Yeah. Um, so my goal is four things: um, self understanding, then self management. Understand who you are, how you're wired. Mm. Embrace it for what it is. In other words, if you're a head of lettuce, find a salad. <laughs> if you're a hammer, find a toolbox, uh, and you'll be better off. But a lot of we got a lot of hammers and salads. Um, and they're, they don't know what's wrong. It's like washing your feet with your socks on. So I'm able to basically give them a blueprint of their behavioral framework and their emotional set and what this looks like and what drives them. And then see, where are you? If you're a Volkswagen, why are you in the Daytona 500? Uh-huh. Um, and so that gives them a roadmap. And then after that, there are some people that will take advantage of this information and put it to good use and make significant change, there are other people that come away saying, wow, that was really interesting. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Steve, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Good to be here. Yeah, so I got introduced to you by way of Michael Gebbin, who was a former guest here on The Unmistakable Creative. And when I asked him for guest recommendations, he uh, put your name at the very top of the list. And given what a hit he was with the audience, I figured it was kind of a no-brainer to have you here. So uh, I want to start by asking you something that I I've found to be a very sort of interesting question and led to some funny stories. Uh, and that is, what social group were you a part of in high school and how did that end up impacting the work that you've ended up doing with your life? Uh, I was a part of the kick in the face group. <laughs> I was tremendously bullied in school. Um, and so really fought my way through high school um, until I got into the junior year, which my my father actually made me, beginning in ninth grade, lift weights in the basement. And if I didn't, I got in trouble. Um, so that became an addiction. Um, so by the time I hit 11th grade, I could take care of myself or at least look like I could, um, which got me through the next two years. But I think that's the kind of a, uh, experience in school that I had. Do you think that the imprint from being bullied in high school um, – impacted your life later on? And if so, how, and how do you let go of something like that? Um, that is from your past that is not pleasant. Yeah. Well, it definitely had an impact because I knew what I didn't want 
to be done to me. And therefore I kind of live by the golden rules. So I didn't want to do that to anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I took that kind of as far as it goes, which is a life of helping people. Um, and you don't ever get over it. You learn to work with it and then you end up capitalizing on it. So like a battery has a positive and a negative, you don't ever open up the hood of the car and get rid of the negative on the battery. So it'll run better. Um, you learn as a battery does to work both the alternating currents for a success, you know, piece. And that's what I do. Hmm. Okay. So you said that you don't uh, ever get rid of it, but you learn to work with it. And mm -hmm. I am curious how that happens, uh, regardless of, of whatever it is we're dealing with. I mean, in your case, it was bling. Some people, it could be clinical depression. Other people, it could be all sorts of other things. So I'm just curious yeah. um, how you, how you learn to work with the things in your life that are often sources of, of tension or trouble or, or challenge. Yeah, well, I mean, there are some things such as clinical depression that can be altered through medication. Uh, and therefore, the sky is bluer, the leaves are greener. So there's a, a real upswing uh, that enables you to, you know, work more proficiently in life with people and so forth. But that comes from an aid. Um, when you're bullied, you don't medicate yourself out of it. Um, and medication doesn't do what it does for some other types of issues that people might be experiencing. But for me, um, understanding, uh, uh, number one, that bullying me was their decision. It wasn't because I needed to be bullied. Um, and the other thing is, in behavioral science, we learn that, you know, I'm not a bully because I push a kid in school. Uh, I push a kid in school because I get lunch money. In other words, people's behavior tends to be geared towards what they're after, not a stimulus that causes the behavior to take place, like Pavlov's dog, for instance. Mm -hmm. So um, I've learned over the years that um, uh, there's certain things I'm bringing to the table and they're very unique to me. And when I started really being aware of that, I was able to take my past and use it as a springboard to not only help myself, but to help a lot of other people. Do you think everybody has the capability to use a difficult past as a springboard? Uh, no. Um, I think a lot of people can, mm -hmm. but depending upon the way your personality is set, some people are survivors and some people are thrivers. People that thrive uh, have learned to work with their circumstance. People that survive have learned to survive. Hmm. So walk me through, uh, the journey from high school to the work that you do today and how it's led there. And, you know, what are all the things that would lead you down this rather bizarre career trajectory? Well, uh, I, I get out of school, I entered college. Um, I was a psychology major and an art major. Um, I dropped out of that and then took a year off and then ended up going to seminary because I wanted to help people. Um, I graduated from that uh, and then started a business. Um, actually, I'm a very, I'm an artist, so I started a faux finishing company um, which lasted 18 years. Through that process, um, I did a lot of speaking to youth groups and did a lot, did retreats and, you know, worked with people and behavior and telling a lot of my stories, growing up stories to young people, mm -hmm. uh, which was extremely effective. Um, 
and people having enthusiasm and wanting to get beyond issues that they were experiencing and so forth. Um, uh, so working 18 years in that company, a lot of my customers and clients, uh, I'd be helping them with all their people problems. And I found that more exhilarating than actually doing the work. Um, my wife came to me one day and said, you need to get paid to talk to people. And I remember looking her right in the face and saying, nobody's going to pay me to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I was wrong. Um, so in 2005, I launched out and started the Behavioral Resource Group. Within seven months, I was making as much money as I was in the other business. It took me 18 years to build. And within just several years, uh, I was beginning to take the message around the world. And since then, I've written seven books um, and have worked. I work, I have clients in 18 countries, um, basically because I found out what I do really, really, really well. And I've put all my eggs in that basket. So you said it's because you found out what you do really, really well. Uh, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you is, is, you know, what do you think accounts for the difference uh, between being able to do something in seven months versus being able to do it in 18 years? Well, I think the 18 years, uh, it was like, let's say you need math, science, and history in order to do something really, really well. Yeah. I was doing math and science for 18 years, and then I trained uh, in that last bit of training I did when I moved out of that one business, moving into this one, it gave me history. And then when you combine the three, all of a sudden, um, I look back and see all those 18 years, well, the last 25 years, yeah. as extremely significant. So I was public speaking for 25 years before I started the Behavioral Resource Group, almost 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, so that came in handy because I do a lot of speaking at corporations. I, you know, this will be my sixth year speaking out at MIT to the EMP program that comes in from entrepreneurs from all over the world. And three years in a row, I was rated the number one speaker. So I have a really strong speaking gift. Um, and so that really came in handy. So when I started the Behavioral Resource Group, I had already mastered several things that I originally didn't know I'd actually be using uh, in a career. I just did it because I loved it. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, I, I, I look at a lot of the things in my life that didn't seem significant at the time that I was doing them and, uh, they paid off in spades like years down the road. Yes. That's what happened. Yeah. So, you know, your life is consistent preparation for something. Um, because we tend to, it's what we call attractors in, in my world, but there are certain things we lean towards because our brains feel good when we do them. And some people's livelihood is stuck in their hobby and they don't know it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, part of my goals are helping people figure that out. I just got off the phone with a girl not too long ago, about a week or so ago. I did a full behavioral debrief with her. Yeah. She sells diamonds um, and hates it. <laughs> um, and so I was able to kind of tell her that by looking just at her personality type. Within two weeks of that phone call, She's found an investor. She's working with some other people. She's, she's going to start a cafe. Uh-huh. And she's actually going to name the cafe after a name that I called her based upon her personality type. So basically, her motives, her drives, her passions have all been basically sparked through that one conversation. Um, and she's on a trajectory to find her niche really quickly here. Yeah. And didn't know 
what was wrong with her? Why don't I like what I do? I'm a happy person. Sure. So anyway, pretty interesting. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Do you find that uh, you're able to alter the trajectory of almost anybody's situation? Or do you think there are certain components uh, that are built into certain people that allow them to get the results that they do? Because the reason I asked this question is somebody asked me once about results that have been produced as a byproduct of things that we've done. And I couldn't help but think back to something I had told somebody. I said, you know, you look at any idea of doing something that in- involves making a change of some sort, whether it be reading a book, whether it be signing up for a course or, or going to a seminar. And I had always felt like it was divided into basically three groups of people. The people who would get the result, whether they got the help or not, because that's just who they are. 
the people who the thing that they signed up for could be the catalyst for and the third group who will just go back looking for a result or looking for the next solution. So I'm curious what your perspective is on this uh, based on, on the work that you've done. Yeah, well, I, I see that I don't uh, uh, help people uh, launch into their trajectory. Sure. I show them what it likely is. And there, it's up to them to make take the effort or make the effort to you know do whatever they got to do to get there. Yeah. Um, so my goal is four things: um, self understanding, then self management. Understand who you are, how you're wired. Mm. Embrace it for what it is. In other words, if you're a head of lettuce, find a salad. <laughs> if you're a hammer, find a toolbox, uh, and you'll be better off. But a lot of we got a lot of hammers and salads. Yeah. Um, and they're, they don't know what's wrong. It's like washing your feet with your socks on. So I'm able to basically give them a blueprint of their behavioral framework and their emotional set and what this looks like and what drives them. And then see, where are you? If you're a Volkswagen, why are you in the Daytona 500? Uh-huh. Um, and so that gives them a roadmap. And then after that, there are some people that will take advantage of this information and put it to good use and make significant change. There are other people that come away saying, wow, that was really interesting, but they don't do anything because what we want and what we do are many times different. What do you think accounts for that difference? Um, It accounts for where our primary emotions are set. In other words, there are a lot of people that want to be in charge, but they find it extremely difficult to take charge. It's the person who wants a raise but has a hard time asking for it. And so what we want and what we do are not always aligned. Matter of fact, most of the time they're not. And so I help them understand where you are versus where you think or want to be. And then is there a bridge to that place? And if there is, this is what it's going to feel like to walk on that bridge. Are you up for it? And then they make that decision. Sounds very like red pill, blue pill to me. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose it is in a sense. But again, you know, uh, 40% of who we are is likely in our DNA. 60% is the environment we came up through. So although you can pull a rock out of the ground, maybe it's a diamond. It certainly doesn't look like one. But once you put it through a tumbler, it looks completely different, even though it's the same stone. So people are brought into this world, they go through this tumbler, they come out looking however they look. How does that working for you? What do you want to do with that diamond? You want to put it in a ring? You want to use it to cut glass? What do you want to do with your diamond? Because everybody's got one. Um, and some people lack confidence. Some people feel fear, failure, all these different things. And sometimes it's just talking about that that helps people realize, oh, this is just a mirage. Mm-hmm. And then they can take control of that and move forward. But not everybody can. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of which, uh, speaking of the red pill, let's see how far the rabbit hole goes. Because I know that you said part of what we were going to do is debrief mine, which uh, now the whole world or everybody who's listening is going to get to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, You ready to go on this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm going to be, I'm just going to call a spade a spade. Okay. That's kind of how I do it. Okay. Um, so I'm looking at your emotional framework and out of, there's four primary emotions is anger, mm-hmm. optimism, patience, and fear. 
uh, measuring those on a scale of zero to a hundred. Um, so your highest emotion is optimism. Optimism is rooted basically in your limbic system. And so the limbic system is that part of your brain that feels it's the part of your brain that is instinctive, intuitive, and reactive. In other words, if you're walking across the front yard and you see a garden hose nestled in the grass, your limbic system calls it a snake before your rational brain calls it a garden hose. And the reason why, it's because your brain is designed to protect you. So limbic first, logic and reason second. So we feel first and then we understand second. You spend more time in the feeling place than you do the understanding place. And what that means is you're likely going to make decisions based upon intuitive feeling rather than hard facts as a rule. Now, that doesn't mean you never make decisions based on facts. It means you're wired to make decisions based upon how you feel in that moment. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And I'd agree with that. Okay. So you are a, what we call a limbic feeler. And so uh, you're almost a core style, which means the only emotion in play with you is intuition and feeling. You probably live in what's known as this I triangle. In other words, you're going to have three fears. They're fundamental to the way your brain works and they're unconscious. So you don't think about it. You just act on it. And here's the three fears in this order. The first fear is the fear of not being liked by other people. So typically, when you're with people, you're working with people, and I don't care if it's two minutes or 20 years, they're consistently, for whatever reason, going to come away from you liking you as a rule. The second thing is the fear of failure. In other words, you don't like to win because you love winning. You like to win because you don't want to fail. And so... With you, it's like failure is not an emotional option. And so typically, you set yourself up emotionally for a win with other people as a rule, and you don't even know you're doing it. And then the third thing would be mischaracterization. In other words, if you found out that uh, somebody you respect or admire thought you said something you never said, and it was negative, you'd likely want to get that fixed pretty quickly. Correct? Yeah, that's fair. Now, Donald Trump would not care. <laughs> yeah. You see, because he's not an influencer, he's a doer. Okay. And so with you, because you have a heightened awareness about what other people are thinking about what you're doing, everything you do goes through the filter of what are they going to think. And as long as it doesn't violate core principles and your ethical foundation, you'll do it. Just because you want the peace and harmony everybody to get along and it work out in your best interest in the end. And that's not necessarily at the expense of anybody. It's just that you want to win and you want to feel like a winner. The other thing I see in your profile is you're extremely flexible, which makes you impatient. <laughs> that's an understatement. Yeah. Okay. So you have this very uh, strong impatience piece, which means you can juggle many things. Now, the brain's never meant to do that. We're, we're basically meant to do two things, kill and eat. Yeah. Um, but you can, do, you can wash the dog, fry the egg, and paint the ceiling all at the same time. Good and help. likely get away with it. Uh, so although we shouldn't be multicasting, our society demands it. 
Um, and so you can do it better than most. Uh, because of that, you will live what I call off the cuff. Uh, it's called fake it until I make it. Um, and so you have this ability. You're like a Corvette. You can be going 80 miles an hour down the highway and then all of a sudden recognize your exit almost before it's too late and still be able to get the car off the highway without turning it over. Okay? So it, it's it's a very uh, strong style that is extremely flexible. It's like being in out of, out of space. Um, when you're in outer space, there are no boundaries. So if I try to put boundaries on you, here's how you need to do this. It needs to look just like that. I might as well put a straight jacket on you, throw you in the swimming pool, and ask you to win the race. <laughs> Explains a lot about my job history. Yeah. So what you need is independence and autonomy, freedom, and your very self-willed, stubborn, uh, and independent. So you need to be independent of things, not dependent on them. So if I said to you, uh, here's what I need you to do. Here's what I want it to look like. And I need it done by Friday. You'll smile and nod. And inside your head, you're thinking, yes, it's not going to look like that. It won't be done Friday, but don't worry. I'll sell you on the idea. <laughs> yeah. And so you always have an alternative idea that corresponds with mine. And I always end up going with yours. So that means you could say, Steve, I want to meet you at noon for lunch. You can show up late. And then it, and in the end, it doesn't bother me. Because you will have charmed and influenced me like a snake charmer. This is what <laughs> Bill Clinton is an expert at. You can hate this man, get on an elevator with him, and by the fifth floor, you're taking selfies. And we don't know how that happens, but there's, it's called limbic looping. So he influences your limbic system with his, and you can't help but like him. And so your style is the easiest person to forgive. Is that making sense? Yeah, sure. Uh, you're also a conflict avoider, which means you'll do what you need to do in certain situations, but you're certainly not going to upset the whole apple cart and get people on edge or not liking you. So you'll do a workaround. Um, and we won't even know it's happening. So rather than kicking me out of the car because you want to drive, you charm me into the back seat by making me feel like it's a benefit. <laughs> you see, it's called sleight of word versus sleight of hand magic. I'm also seeing in you, you believe there's more than one way to skin a cat. Um, and so... You are very open-minded rather than closed-minded. You like the spotlight, which is likely why you do podcasting. Um, you see yourself as center stage in the world. You also have a teaching profile. You look like a teacher, uh, somebody who presents information. You also look like an innovator. So you have a very innovative mind. You have a huge, vivid imagination, uh, and you likely think bigger than you might actually do. It's sort of like imagining buying a Hummer, but you end up coming home with a Jeep. <laughs> uh, because there are certain things that start playing in, and then you start maybe second-guessing a little bit. Um, you also uh, want to be in charge of your own destiny. You don't want somebody else being in charge of your destiny. 
So this is an individual that wants authority that's equal to or greater than their responsibility. So whatever you're in, you, I put you in charge of, you fully own. And so you're thinking, I'm not doing that if my name is on it. Um, and so your, your name being on something is a really big thing to your style. Um, you also uh, look like somebody, the emotion looks like somebody who's been burned in the past. In other words, it's very difficult to get into your very, very tight circle where you're very vulnerable. Uh, you have to qualify to get in there. And the odds of somebody qualifying are slim as a rule. Um, in other words, there's a side to you that is a little suspicious. Uh, uh, what do you mean by that? In other words, you know there's a bright side to people, but you're very aware of the, quote, dark side. Is that making sense? Yeah. And so, therefore, you have this guard at the gate of your emotional self. In other words, I can't just walk in there. If I'm a thief and I want to steal a car, I'm going to take the convertible with the top down and the keys in it. I'm not going to take the car that is difficult to get a coat hanger through that has a club on the steering wheel and a blinking red light that indicates an alarm system. I'm going to pass that car up. So meeting you may be fun and exhilarating, but that's the car you drive. You've got the club on the steering wheel. You've got windows that are impenetrable and you've got a blinking light that says there's an alarm system here. So I'm not going to break in very easily. Is that making sense? Mm -hmm. And so uh, although it's a really nice looking car, it's an attractive car. Once I get up to that car, I'm hesitant about getting in it. And so that's just how your emotions are wired. Um, uh, you also are a situational learner, which means you study to pass the test. You don't study for life, so to speak. It's like cramming for the exam. Mm -hmm. So Thursday night, you study with all your might. You take the test Friday morning. You get an A- minus on it. But if I spring the test on you in three months, you can't pass it because you forget the information. Um, so your style is situational. You basically just pull rabbits out of hats whenever you have to. And people are like amazed. How did you do that? How do you know that? <laughs> and you don't even know. Um, but you learned it somehow. You retained a little bit of it and you pulled it out. So you could read four books at one time, finish none of them, but talk about the book you read like you wrote it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this makes for a very strong uh, communication style who basically can captivate people um, and hold their attention uh, for long lengths of time. Typically, our attention can only be held for seven minutes, but you will consistently regain that attention over and over and over again, which is why typically your style's presenting. So in a nutshell, uh, that's pretty much you know, what your wiring is like. So therefore, knowing all that about you, um, let's say you came to me because you need to help with something. Yeah. I'm going to be able to tell you, yeah, that's not going to work. And here's why. <laughs> right. Or this is what you really need to do. Or why don't you try this? It's going to be in your best interest anyway, because that's your default style. Uh, and then you're like, oh my gosh, that makes sense. But I was afraid to do that. So if your parents came to me, if you were young and said, listen, my son, he doesn't seem to take his homework seriously. He's not studying. I'd be like, don't worry about it. <laughs> and I do that all the time. And the parents are like, you got to be kidding me. 
I said, listen, they will make more money than you. Well, they don't study. They don't have to. That's my answer to them. And I've put a lot of parents at ease once I've done their children's profiles or their younger uh, adults, you know, in college, because the parents are thinking, if I acted like that, I wouldn't be where I am today. Well, the fact that they act like that means they're going to be beyond you tomorrow. And we don't want to upset that. So you can't change their learning style. Mm -hmm. You need to look at that and say, wow, you're going to learn more doing it like that than you ever would sitting in a library staring at a book all day. You'd rather sit on an anthill and jam pencils in your eyes. That's fair. I'd agree. Do you think that explains why I didn't get good grades in college? That's right. You didn't need good grades. And this is what people are starting to slowly find out. They'll know in 25 years that Mm -hmm. this is working this way. They're going to understand college is underrated. They're going to understand school is nothing but a big test that you pass or fail, but has no bearing on what you're going to do when you get out of there. That's all coming, but it's not here yet. Um, And so part of my job is to help. I mean, I've done kids that are 18 years old. I said, don't go to college yet. Take a year off. Go do something crazy. Have a good time. And then revisit school and see where you're at because you're a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we're not going to waste anybody's money. Or maybe you shouldn't go at all. Would it surprise you if I told you that I've been fired from almost every real job I've been at? Wouldn't surprise me in the least. Okay. Wouldn't surprise me in the least, which is why you're better off working for you mm-hmm. because you don't fire you. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and so there are a lot of people that don't fire themselves, but everybody else is in line to fire them. Yeah. Uh, and that's because they're independent of not dependent on. So every time you do something that involves another person, you're independent of them. And there's a need in you to display your independence because you like to be in control of your own destiny. That includes their destiny. If you believe they're going to have an effect on your destiny, now you're controlling them too. Well, if they don't like that, you're going to get fired. If they do like it, then you'll likely take them further. Mm -hmm. But they don't see that because most people are surviving the workforce. In other words, they're looking out for number one and everybody else is competition. The people that hire people better than them to work under them are the most successful in the workplace. You know, it's interesting to, to hear you talk about this because I, I look at it. I, I look at the decisions I've made through the lens of this. So I have a business partner and a CEO who I've mentioned on, on the show before. And uh, he actually is the CEO for a very good reason because he makes decisions based on facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the two of us together make a hell of a team. That's Me, right. Me left to my own devices can cause a lot of problems. That's right. See, you have awareness. So that's what self-awareness is all about. I understand myself. Therefore, I manage myself. I understand others, your CEO there, mm-hmm. and you therefore manage that relationship to both of your best interests. Yeah. Everybody wins. So we capitalize on our strengths. We embrace our weaknesses. We don't try to fix them. You embrace them. Recognize what they are and stay the hell away from them. But a lot of people are spending a lot of time working on something they cannot fix and they actually need to stay broken so that their strength can be strong. How would you ever understand health if you were never sick? How would you ever understand, you know, being wealthy if you were never broke? How will you ever appreciate and understand your strengths if you didn't have any weaknesses? It's not about being all strong. 
That's like putting a battery in your car that only has a positive connection. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You have to embrace that about you and then fit it into your life in a way that it is in your way. And when we do that, we're far more successful. You know, I mean, I, I was standing up giving a talk to some very smart people from all over the world. And somebody asked me a question. I just looked at them dead in the face and said, I don't know. And after the meeting, they came to me and said, boy, was that refreshing. So not knowing was a plus. Where some people think not knowing is a weakness. It's a minus. So I got to make something up. Now you're stupid. You see, so understanding where you are, understanding where you are not is actually better. So when we understand who we are, that's great. When you understand who you're not, that's even greater because now you're not wasting time, money or energy. And so I try to help people understand who they are so they can focus on it and become successful rather than being preoccupied with who you're not in comparison to somebody else. So, Steve, you've basically gone through effectively what is an entire psychoanalysis of me as a person, uh, which has been fascinating. So I guess really what I want to do is tease this apart even more and talk about how everything I've just learned can be applied to my life on a daily basis in terms of my habits, in terms of my creativity, in terms of the systems that I work within. Um, how do I take this information and make it useful? Because, you know, one of the things that you and I talked about earlier in our conversation was a lot of people will do nothing with this information. I don't want to be one of those people. So let's talk about how I can practically apply this to my life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, one of the main pieces to this analysis is to understand as a rule, you're not going to see people as they are. You're going to see them as you are. Knowing who you are, how you're wired will help you understand why you see people a certain way. In other words, if they're far more task-oriented and less people-oriented, a very people-oriented style will immediately assess the situation wondering, hey, what's wrong with that person? In other words, why aren't they limbically or emotionally engaging or looping with me? Because that's what they do. Um, so this really puts the world in perspective for you by making you or forcing you to understand your lens. So that's one big takeaway mm -hmm. because how you correct your children, how you view your spouse, coworkers, boss, um, subordinates is all going to change because now you're thinking, oh, they're probably like this as a rule and it wouldn't matter who they were working with or for. They would still be like this. You follow me? Yeah. And so that's really a powerful component. The other thing is it's one thing to um, understand that there's parts of you that we would consider, let's say, weaknesses or things I'm not really good at. It's another thing to think about, should I change those? And so, sure, we can change behavior, but we all have a character base, now, when you say the word character, people typically think, am I morals good or bad? That's the wrong way to look at character. Character is basically behaviors that we've learned in order to survive and be successful in our environment. Okay? Mm -hmm. So understanding your character base, is that something you truly need to or want to change? Or do you just need to understand it and therefore now I know what to stay away from? Mm-hmm. 
you see. So a lot of people, when it comes to human behavior and things like that, like I need to be more driven, I need to be better at this, or I want to be able to do a podcast too. Well, okay, well, what are we working with? Um, this gives people an idea as to where they're at and what kinds of changes will absolutely be necessary in order for them to be able to you know, do different things or be seen as a different type of individual. What are the percentage of them being able to do that? Um, and we're going to know that. Mm-hmm. So those are a couple things uh, that this is really, really helpful with. Another thing is you're going to see patterns. In other words, we all have tendencies. In other words, it's called a cardinal trait. It comes out of our deeper uh, 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 lizard brain where temperament comes from, which is automatic impulse. In other words, some people are just flat hot-headed. It's really hard for them to change. They're very quick on the draw. That is a temperament issue. That's very difficult to change. So that feeling never goes away, but what you do with the feeling can be adaptable. Understanding that, hey, this is an issue with me. This keeps coming up and getting in my way. What are some things I can do about this? Now you know where it comes from, why it's there, which gives you a better framework for dealing with it. Right. So do you think that we would be better suited to do things that amplify our strengths than work on our weaknesses? And the reason I'm asking this is it takes me back to something that I experienced in my career when I was working in sales and and absolutely hated what I was doing and being put on these performance improvement plans. And yet – the performance never improved. And I, I kind of wonder, you know, what the purpose of all of that was. And I, I was like, wow, this doesn't really work. And I'm wondering if that's just isolated to me or is this something you see as, as a common pattern? Okay. Capital A, absolutely only focus on what you're awesome at. Only put all your eggs in the basket that works. Putting our eggs in these other baskets just gives these other people a job. Mm-hmm. to try to like make you into something different and you get all excited about it thinking it's possible but you know what it's very very difficult one of the ways i coach salespeople is to help them be successful with what they've already got to work with so if you're coming to the job with a chisel then i'm going to find a job for you that needs a chisel not a hammer and then you know get upset with you because your performance review isn't good mm-hmm. that's just plain stupid but this is what people do, and I have no earthly reason. Uh, I don't understand why they do it, but this is what people do. I say this all the time. If you're lettuce, get in a salad. If you're a hammer, find a <laughs> right. toolbox. Um, because if you're a hammer, everybody's a nail, and that's just the way it works. So we need you in a situation where you are necessary as you are, not as I think you should be. Yeah. What do you think accounts for the, the – uh consistent sort of mismatch we see between a person's talent and the environment that they're put in? Do you think you can kind of look back and blame the educational system and the factory model that it is? Or, or you know, what causes that? And why are we, like, why are we seeing that so often? Well, you know, the world is really in flux right now. And I mean, in a big way, you know, next year, there will be jobs in play that never existed, as it was two years ago. Um, so very, very fluid right now. Now, the old model, which I, you know, call the professional model, which is kind of an industrial revolution model, you show up and do what I want you to do, and then you go home. Um, you know, that's gone. 
work isn't even a place anymore. Things are changing so rapidly. So, but, you know, old habits die hard, and that's just the way people are. Um, a lot of people hang on to things because they're familiar, and familiarity always breeds contempt. And so what we need to understand is, uh, as, as entrepreneurs and employers, let's say, we need to be open to our people and how they're wired. I said this to a company one time, who invented nine to five? Like, where did that even come from? But yet, there are some people that experiment with allowing their people to be home on Mondays or Tuesdays or Monday and Tuesday working from home. Do you know they're more productive? They're more, you know, of course, you get some people that will find time to waste. But if they're rated on their performance and not on when or how they ever get it done, but if they do get it done, you get more productivity out of people. And so really it's fear of the unknown or seeing others always as suspect. In other words, you have a lot of leaders that have this uh, incisive, uh, suspicious piece to them where everybody's guilty until proven innocent. Those people have a hard time uh, giving people a lot of rope for fear that, you know, they're going to do something wrong with it. Um, so there's different reasons for this. Mm -hmm. But uh, what people are realizing is the more we allow people an environment that best suits their style, the happier they are and the happier they are, the better they produce. So, you know, earlier in our conversation, uh, you'd mentioned that you tell p parents often that maybe this kid shouldn't go to college or maybe he should take some time before he goes to college. So I can't help but ask you about your thoughts on the entire education system from your vantage point and the work that you do. Yeah, well, uh, I have not a lot of faith in it. I'll tell you that, <laughs> um, unfortunately. Now, I've got two children. My, just, my oldest son just graduated from four years at university in psychology, and he wanted to do it. Um, that's fine. I supported him in it and paid for it. Um, my second son has just finished three years at a local institution, is now going for two more years out of state at a university, um, and I'm paying for that. Now, you know, if it were my way, I'd try to talk them out of it. I'd rather take that money and help them get into a business for themselves. Uh -huh. um, but uh, the education system really is pro-education and not pro-human uh, being, in my opinion. Um, it's more about uh, really building personal wealth and a brand in education. Education is a business. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a service. Um, and so by its very nature, nature, its structure must protect itself, not us. Um, anyway, there's a lot of things in play here. Uh, but um, there are some new dynamics coming out. Matter of fact, North Carolina right now has a greater homeschool population than a public school population as of this year. Um, so people are really beginning to realize this isn't really helping my kids. Um, I home educated all my children. Uh, they probably educated for three hours or less a day. Uh, you know, my son went into university coming out of a system like that. We even let him do some a couple years at public school. He ended up coming home because he couldn't believe how many people were disinterested in learning there. It drove him crazy. Um, and so, you know, my kids would go out and hunt frogs and we built a uh, a little thing in the backyard. We raised tadpoles to bullfrogs and talked about them and learned about them and they, they set them loose in the wild. Um, shoot, we'd go read gravestones um, and talk about, you know, the history and the time period. Of course, we lived up in old-fashioned New England. 
But you see, great experiences. They went to the library a lot. They did tours, museums, um, all kinds of learning because we learn differently. Are they less educated than everybody else who went to public school? No, not by a long shot. Well, they weren't socialized, some people say. Well, great, I'll take my kids into the bathroom every day, beat them up and take their lunch money. Now they feel like they're in school. Um, I mean, it's crazy. So I think it's not for everyone, but if you can do it, it's great. Yeah. Did your being bullied growing up have any impact on the way you decided to educate your children? It did. Uh, I definitely didn't want my children to go through what I went through. And there really is a lot of talk about bullying, but really nothing's being done about it. Um, my son, the one, the few years he did go to school, he did suffer bullying as every child does, but not every child deals with it the same way. So if your style's a little more passive, which my son's was at the time, um, it was crushing. It's followed him now. He's out of school, out of university. I believe there are still pieces of that left in him. We've talked about it. Um, so uh, not a good thing. Uh, so me having experienced that, yes, I wanted to kind of shield them from those type experiences. And of course, did it hurt them? Well, I guess all that remains to be seen. You don't really know how well you did as a parent until the children's after ages after 30. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, this has been just phenomenal and, and fascinating. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to know where they can find out a little bit more about your work. And, and I know you referenced it earlier in our conversation. So where can people learn more about you? And uh, then I'll finish with my last question. Uh, behavioralresourcegroup.com jumpstarters.net. We have a great uh, conference we do several times a year. Uh, very affordable. Um, and uh, also stevesisler.org. It's got some similar things there. Um, and uh, I've got a great book out called The Four People Types and What Drives Them. That can be found on Amazon in different formats. Um, so that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, I have one last question for you, which is how we finish every interview at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? You know, <laughs> here we go. Getting that sprung on me. Um, uh, you know, I think as a general rule, um, fully understanding yourself and being proud of what that actually is in the world is what can make people really great with who they are and what they're doing, regardless of the opinions of others. Well, like I said, this has been just phenomenal and fascinating. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share your story and your insights with our listeners at The Unmistakable Creative. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Next time on The Unmistakable Creative. I was on Tumblr because, you know, what do you do when you're restless and, and bored? You you go to the internet. And I found this uh, this image came up in my feed that had the, these words that said, you have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. Do you know this image? Do you know what I'm talking about? That no, one? No, but it sounds hilarious. Yeah, so it says you have the same number of days and you have the same number of hours in a day as Beyonce. And for some reason, I just totally lost it. Like it just sent me off the deep end. And I remember calling my sister, Riwa, on FaceTime and just being like, my life has been a failure. Look at all the things Beyonce has accomplished. And like, she's doing all of this stuff. And like, here I am. It's Tuesday, it's 3 p.m. I'm on Tumblr. Like, what am I even doing? And then that kind of sparked 
the conversation around, okay, let's stop and let's think about what's going on here. Where, why do you feel this pressure to, to be constantly working, constantly producing, constantly doing stuff? And um, that ended up raising a whole set of other questions about our notions of work and our notions of productivity and our self-identity and our self-worth and the image that we get in the media. And so now, the last couple of months that we've been researching this, it's been fascinating because I didn't realize how much I was being influenced by all of these cultural messages around work. Rahaf Harfush joins us to talk about technology's impact on our productivity, creativity, and humanity. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that, and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.